This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. In this episode, Tom and Jonathan talk about Jonathan's current favorite GDPR enforcement action involving food service delivery companies in Italy. What is GDPR? And more importantly, how does it impact you and your company? Join internationally known data privacy, data protection expert, Jonathan Armstrong, and Tom Fox, the compliance evangelist, to learn more about the burgeoning world of data privacy and data protection. After listening to this episode, you'll walk away with a greater understanding of what this means for you and your organization. Life with GDPR is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back with Jonathan Armstrong for another episode. And today we're going to take up what Jonathan has termed his current uh, favorite case or enforcement action. And that involves an Italian company, Garante, and I won't try to pronounce the rest of the name. Nevertheless, it's an online food delivery company. Uh, Jonathan, first of all, welcome back. Well, thanks very much, Tom. Thank you for having me. Everyone has a favorite case, and sometimes those evolve over time. But why is this at least one of your current favorites, Jonathan? Yeah, it's one of my current favorites because it um, touches on AI and transparency and a whole debate around ethics and compliance in AI. So many people at the moment are debating some legislative proposals from the EU and others which seek to regulate AI. But what they're missing is the fact that GDPR and other data privacy laws, to some extent, already do. And I think these two cases from uh, Garante, which is the Italian regulator, I think underline that. The case is concerned to online food delivery platforms, uh, Deliveroo and Food Inho, and each of them were fined about 2.5 million euros for GDPR violations, uh, mostly to do with the way in which they treated delivery riders. And it's very instructive, I think, on how organizations can use AI and the transparency obligations they've got to meet under GDPR. Jonathan, could you detail uh, some of the findings or at least allegations against both entities uh, from the Italian regulator? Yeah, I will. Yeah. So the first one, the Food In Her case, is uh, an Italian business that was a subsidiary of a Spanish business. And the uh, Spanish regulator was trying to understand more about the Spanish parent company. And it talked about these issues with Garante, the Italian regulator. And the Italian regulator also asked questions of the Italian subsidiary. And the concern was really about the way in which Foodino treated its delivery workers. 
And they were people in the gig economy. So a bit like the Uber Eats model in the US, for example, I order on an app from my favorite restaurant. Somebody goes and fetches the food for me. In this case, Foodino had uh, 19,000 riders and they used AI and an algorithm to work out who would pick up each meal and deliver it to each customer. But they weren't transparent about that algorithm at all. And it turned out that they were using all sorts of decision points to work out which riders got the most work and which riders got the easiest rides and those who had less work, less profitable work, less easy rides. And they weren't transparent about how that algorithm worked despite requests. So an unfair waiting, for example, was given to negative reviews, some of which didn't impact the rider at all, but might impact the restaurant who'd cooked the meal. There was a lack of safeguards that are needed under GDPR to give riders the right to intervene and complain and contest the score that they had been given. And there wasn't a data protection impact assessment. And we've talked about DPIAs in these podcasts before. So the uh, the uh, Garante also uh, found some other derelictions as well. So there wasn't a, a data protection officer in place. There was insufficient record keeping. And importantly, as well as fining this outfit, Garante also imposed uh, corrective measures. And we've talked about this before when we talked about the uh, Telecom Italia Mobile case uh, a good while ago, that the Italian regulator and many of the regulators have followed this practice now, do a fine plus. So we are going to fine you, plus you will take the following correcting measures. And in this case, uh, a lot around the transparency of the algorithm, a lot about uh, reducing the amount of geolocation data that they were holding, uh, a lot about making sure that they could justify the different points of data that they were collecting for, for the algorithm. So, as I said, geolocation data, communications between the rider and the customer, estimated an actual delivery time, uh, feedback, device battery level, etc., etc., which were all input into the formula. And the Deliveroo, case, the Deliveroo case at the beginning of August is pretty similar. A few less riders, 8,000 riders in this case, but uh, touching almost on religious discrimination here, their algorithm with Deliveroo marked down riders who were not available to, for work on Friday, Saturday and Sunday evenings. And of course, there could be Sabbath days for some of the riders who were on the Deliveroo system. And if you refused to turn up on what might be your Sabbath, then you were less likely to get work from Deliveroo. And if you did get work, you might have work that was less profitable or journeys that weren't as good. And Garante again had concerns about Deliveroo's algorithm. 
they thought the collection of geolocation data was excessive. And they said that some data was kept for too long. And again, fine plus here. So Deliveroo were fined and they were given 60 days to correct their violations and 30 days to change their algorithms to make them more fair. So both cases concern food delivery, but they're of much wider application to anyone who's using AI, whether that's their own AI or whether they're using AI, for example, that they've bought in to sift recruitment applications or to uh, allocate staff in warehouses, et cetera, et cetera. Anyone using this type of technology needs to consider these cases uh, and think twice. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Jonathan, have you been able to develop uh, perhaps some uh, lessons learned for a broader uh, set of companies around uh, the use of AI? And what, what sort of recommendations have you developed from these two cases? Yeah, we have. Uh, I think there's oftentimes a conflict, particularly if it's bought in AI. So, you know, if you're using AI to sift recruitment applications, you might say to the provider, okay, we want to know how you're doing this so that we can meet our transparency obligations. But oftentimes the reply from the vendor will be, we're not telling you, this is our secret source. Oftentimes these are smaller businesses that are using AI. They might be startups or nascent entities and they think if they hold on to the algorithm, they're going to be acquired by somebody much bigger. And they think that that's their principal asset. So quite often, you've got this conflict between an organization's obligation to be transparent and its inability to find out the data points that are being used for those transactions. And corporations have just got to square that circle. The ways in which they might do it might be, first of all, to carry out a data protection impact assessment. Whether that's technology they're developing in-house or buying in, they'll have to look at the privacy risks, make sure that they can justify the data points that are informing the algorithm, particularly around geolocation, because obviously geolocation as well can be sensitive personal data, special category data under GDPR. It might indicate religious persuasion. It might indicate health issues, et cetera, et cetera. So first of all, carry out the DPIA. Secondly, ensure that their platform builds privacy in from the start. So GDPR and other data protection laws, Singapore, for example, have this privacy by design concept that you'll have to follow. Thirdly, treat others as you want to be treated yourself. Look at the privacy impact from the individual's point of view. Go through that ethical debate. We can process this data, but should we? 
we'll need to look at the fairness of the platform. Fourthly, look at transparency. We need to be able to tell individuals how algorithms are using their data. They might have the right to insist on that under GDPR or other legislation. We might have fairness obligations towards them under employment law or under data privacy law. And we might have the obligation to tell people when we're using data to make decisions that will cause them harm. And obviously, it's harder to justify those decisions if they're based on somebody's uh, religious persuasion or if they're based on their health, for example. Fifthly, we will have to make security a priority. We've seen that some of these apps, because they're set up by startups or nascent entities, aren't as robust technically as they should be. We've seen AI uh, apps in delivery. We've seen AI uh, type apps in conference management, you know, communication between conference attendees, etc., that have had security issues. So you'll need to ask questions about that. Uh, sixth, prepare uh, proper privacy controls. So that might be audits. It might be checking that the algorithm is performing as it should. Uh, it might be allowing for solely automated decisions to be reviewed and challenged. And as I said, under GDPR Article 30, uh, 22, uh, individuals can insist on that. Be prepared for dawn raids. So at least one of these cases comes from a dawn raid on the delivery company and regulators took data away. We're going to see more on-site inspections under GDPR. And uh, lastly, I'd say look at ethics condition uh, committees. There is some good work being done by, by people like Corporate Digital Responsibility to look at sanity checks on some of these algorithms. Is the machine making a decision in a way that an uh, that a human would feel comfortable with. And so particularly where measures like that could be privacy intrusive, an ethics committee might be a good idea. Asking a trusted third party to take a second opinion might be an idea. Discussing it with other people who can challenge the team's view might be the way to go. And again, a data protection impact assessment might be a good structure as part of that process. Jonathan, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode, but I was wondering if our listeners wanted any more information on the topics we've touched on in this podcast or uh, more information on quarterly compliance, where could they go? Yeah, uh, quarterlycompliance.com. We should be easy to find on the internet. And if you search quarterly compliance and Deliveroo, That'll take you right to the article, I'm sure. Jonathan, this, uh, this case, I now understand why you find it so fascinating, because it has uh, a much broader set of implications beyond, I think, uh, data protection and indeed to a wider uh, audience, both in the compliance community and the business community. So I think we may be revisiting uh, similar allegations down the road. I think that's right. And of course, it can pose a challenge for compliance professionals as well. Some compliance professionals are already using this technology to look at uh, KYC obligations, to look at suppliers, to try and check on uh, third-party risk. And so, in some respects, compliance professionals have to put their own house in order, as well as advising the rest of the business on these issues. 
Well, I look forward to continuing the conversation. Thank you, Tom. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. Thanks for listening to this episode of Live with GDPR. I'm going to link to the quarterly compliance client alert so you can get additional information from both Cordery and Jonathan in that client alert. I'd like to take a minute to tell you about a podcast series that I'm running. It's a very personal podcast series where I take back, take a look back at 9-11, both the day of 9-11 and 20 years later as this year's the 20th anniversary of 9-11. The fall of Afghanistan and Kabul, the series is even more poignant. In this series, I talk to uh, six individuals whose lives were directly impacted by 9-11, and they're generally in the compliance space, so uh, I know uh, their thoughts around the events of 9-11 and what it means to our profession, I think will be very moving for you. So I hope you'll check that out. It's available on the Compliance Podcast Network. It'll come out on my Innovation and Compliance Podcast feed, and it's produced by One Stone Creative. Thanks again for listening to Life with GDPR, and Jonathan and I look forward to visiting with you soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.